just from my phone. All right, all right. What's up, everybody? This is so nice to be here at Bros Night. I was, uh, yeah, it's, it's really fun to get to sing with you guys. You guys are so freaking loud. I can hear you from, you know, way down the hall. I knew exactly where you guys were. So it's, it's fun. Okay, so now some of you may be thinking, why did they split us up tonight? Financial advice. <laughs> what, what could be the one topic that they would need to split us up by gender for? And some of you still came despite knowing what that answer could be. And you can stop holding your breath because we are not talking about pornography today. <laughs> although, although you should really talk about it in your course at least once this year. And you should have a conversation with your corpa or close or close friends about your pornography use because it is a struggle for virtually every guy, all right? So it's time to come out of hiding and get the help you need, all right? That's just a PSA. But tonight, that is not the topic because we're gonna get at something deeper than that, okay? So I'm gonna have everybody get up. All right, stand up, get ready to move because I'm going to ask a series of questions and if you are the first answer, you can leave your stuff because you'll go back to your seat. But if you're the first answer, you're going to be on this side. If you're the second answer, you're going to be on this side. All right? So we're going to see what, what our demographics are kind of here. So are you more type A, right? You're a planner. You need to know what's happening. You want to make the plan. Or are you type B? You go with the flow, laid back, relaxed, flexible. All right, type A, type B. All right, all right, next question, next question. If you and your friends went on a trip, would you be the planner or go with the group, what the group wants to do kind of guy? Oh, I know. <laughs> Some self-reflection happening today. Okay. If you and your friends went on a trip to New York, and the one thing you wanted to go to was the Statue of Liberty, but you and your friends went to everywhere except there, would you speak up or shrug it off? Like, like you went to everywhere they wanted to go to, but you needed to go to the one place you wanted to go to. All right, all right, last question, last question. If your friends went on a trip to New York and you weren't invited, would you speak up or shrug it off and pretend it didn't happen? I'm too busy. That was the last question for now, so you can return to your seats. Thank you for participating. All right. Thank you guys for answering honestly. I hope you did. And but let me tell you a story. So when I was in eighth grade, eighth grade, all right, this is prepubescent Peter. I had this friend called Don. His name was Donovan. All right, so he was this. Uh, I was like the yay high. He was quite about that same height. He's a he was a short Vietnamese guy. He lived 
He, he lived in kind of this middle area that few existed in in middle school, right? He was cool and smart. Mm. <laughs> right? He hung out with us nerds and was nerdy like us, but he also hung out with, you know, the cool middle school football players, you know, as, as cool as a middle schooler could get. Um, so, yeah, so he was popular, he was smart, um, and I was at his house late one Saturday night. Um, all of our, you know, we, we'd hung out as a group of friends, and all of our other friends had left, and it was just me and Donovan and his mom. All right. And his mom decided to pull out old family albums, you know, showing me pictures of her and Donovan's dad, of little baby Donovan, of him growing up. And it was like a real bonding experience, right? Donovan pulled out like his, his airsoft guns and was showing, showing them to me, right? Showing me his hobbies. And he said, hey, we should go to the airsoft gun range tomorrow and play and, and like hang out together. And I'd never shot an airsoft gun before. And here was this guy who had lots of friends, right? a cool guy, and he was asking if I would hang out with him the next day. And so I left his house, uh, but not before he said he'd call me the next day to make a plan. Now there was one problem. The next day was Sunday, and I had to go to church, oh. all right? And this was the time before like cell phones were ubiquitous. Like, not everyone had a cell phone. Just like businessmen had cell phones. And so all he had was my home phone number. So what if Donovan called while I was at church? How would he get a hold of me? What if he thought I didn't care about hanging out, right? What if I missed my chance to go to the airsoft gun range with him? So when I got home that night, I told my dad, Dad, I can't go to church tomorrow. And he asked me why, and I said, I have to stay home because, like, what if Donovan calls in the morning? Like, I really want to go do this thing with him. And he asked me a few more questions to figure out, like, why this was so important to me. And then he eventually said, like, all right, I'll reroute the home landline to my cell phone so that if anyone calls, I'll be able to pick up. Which apparently is a thing. I don't know if you knew it's a thing. That's the first and only time I ever knew that was a thing. Um, so, you know, we get up the next morning, we go to church, and I'm, like, so excited to go to the airsoft gun range later that day. So I'm during my way through church and kids' Sunday school. And when church lets out, I, like, go, I rush to find my dad, and I ask him, hey, did Donovan call? And he said, no. That no one, no one had called home while we were at church. It's like, okay, I'm a little disappointed, but there's still all afternoon, right? Like, maybe he's going to call later. Maybe he's going to call later and make a plan. So we go home, and the afternoon passes, and there's no call. So at this point, it's too late to go to the gut range. It's too late to make a plan. But maybe, just maybe Donovan got too busy, and he's going to call that evening to apologize and set up another time. So I waited all day and all night for a call that never came. And then when I went to school the next day, you know, I see Donovan, and I don't say anything. I don't, I don't tell anyone about the plans that we had made. Um, the only person witnessed my shame was my dad. Um, there was no need to make it any bigger than it needed to be. And Donovan didn't act any different and it didn't even seem like he remembered or knew that he had said that he would give me a call. And I, so I thought, you know, 
it was probably just, he just said that, right? He didn't actually mean it. It, it must have been just an empty gesture. I shouldn't have put so much stock or hope into it. And so I left it at that. And this is like, a, as I'm saying this, I'm like, dang, this is a really sad story. I'm like, it was, it, it was like, it's sad, but I'm like, it did not traumatize me as much as I think it sounds like it did. But this yeah. is the first time I've ever told that story to anyone in my life. So, so maybe. <laughs> so now you are also all witness to my shame. <laughs> but um, I want to read. I want to read Revelation. I think it's, it's uh, chapter 21. I didn't write down the chapter. I think it's 21, verse 5. Starting with it says, He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So when it came to facing Donovan, I was a Catholic. But what is so wrong with being cowardly, right? Why are the cowardly thrown in with the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, right? There are lots of forms that cowardice can take in our lives. You know, historically, it's, it's been dis people use it to describe people who run from a battle, right, or a fight. That might be the first thing we think of. But cowardice is more than that. Cowardice is having our lives ruled by fear. When fear is involved and I let it make my decisions, not what is right, that's cowardice. A life lived in fear, it's, it's a life that we should pity, but also more than that, right? God says it's wrong. That those who are cowardly, who who will not conquer their fears, those are the people who won't get into the kingdom of heaven. Because, as we'll keep unpacking today, lives of fear not only ruin our own lives, but can ruin others as well. So we can, I think we can all understand why I did what I did, right, with Donovan, that I didn't bring it up. But in the end, it was not healthy for me or Donovan that I didn't bring it up, right? To leave that kind of hurt unchecked. What kind of depth could our friendship have had if I wasn't a coward, right? This is not to excuse what Donovan did, but this is to take real responsibility for what I did or what I didn't do, right? What kind of friendships does he have now? And is there missing depth because I didn't speak up when I should have? I know for me, because of that situation, I didn't trust people as much after that. I didn't trust people's words or their commitments. I didn't want to put myself out there anymore. 
I became not just a coward in that situation, but a coward in my friendships moving forward. Because when people hurt you significantly, there's no way to get past it without some sort of resolution. Yeah, there are times when we have to have grace for one another, right? Those random little instances of thoughtlessness, of making a mistake, maybe of being too blunt with each other or too short with one another. Those are times for grace, right? Just love covers over a multitude of sins. But there are also times, and I think you know those times, when we've been significantly hurt and we want to understand and be understood for why I'm hurting. Do we have the bravery, the courage to say, hey, my feelings have been hurt, that I've made myself open enough to you that you can hurt me, that I care enough about you that you have the power to harm me? Do we have the courage to say those words? Or are we cowards? Do we stay cowardly and choose to not rock the boat? You know, we, can, we think that it's more, uh, it's more Jesus-like to just stay silent, right? To, 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 to say love covers over those sins. Uh, but I would say leave behind cowardice and take courage instead. Leave behind cowardice and take courage instead. Because this is what Jesus did when his friends hurt him. All right, this is, in, this is in John. I have a habit of not putting the chapters. John chapter something, verse 32. It says, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Actually, I think this is Mark. This is Mark. I think it's in John, Matthew, and Mark, but this is the Mark version. Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And they didn't know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Mark 14, starting with verse 32. So in the story, Jesus was hurt by his friends. Right? They didn't do what he had asked them to do to support him. And was he a coward when it came to bringing it up to his friends? Was he a coward and decided, oh, it's okay. They're just tired. Like, I'll just let them sleep. It's fine. Or did he take courage to bring up how much in agony he was? 
Jesus made himself vulnerable to his friends. He grew close to them to the point where their actions would affect him, right? God's very character is one where he makes himself vulnerable to us. Countless times with Israel, God expresses sorrow. And this isn't some kind of fake sorrow or some deity pretending to be sad. He made himself vulnerable by being in relationship with us. And he's not a coward when he says that what we've done has bothered him. He takes courage to say, I have made myself vulnerable to you. And you've hurt me. Because that is a gateway to deeper relationship. Right? God is not afraid to enter into tension, to enter into conflict, a tunnel of chaos, if you will, to enter deeper into relationship with us. So in partners or groups of three, I want you to talk about what has happened in your, something that's happened in your friendships when you haven't brought up hurt or conflict. All right, groups of two or three, what has happened in your friendships when you haven't brought up hurt or conflict? Go. What is happening in your friendship that when you have a lot of conflict? What is the time that you I'm <laughs> 
All right, all right, let's pull it back in. So yeah, I think, you know, especially given that last question that I asked you guys and how many of us were on this side, I think there have been a lot of instances where and we've chosen not to bring up conflict, um, probably out of fear, out of fear for uh, hurting the friendship or being too vulnerable. Um, and I know, I mean, that's that's been me a lot of my life. And what ends up happening is if someone's hurt, I think oftentimes we can give up on friendships, right? Just like, oh, this, maybe we don't intend to, but that hurt stays with us. And we don't pursue any any deeper of a relationship with that person. We slowly drift away, right? We give up on that friendship. Uh, we distance ourselves that way, right? All of that, and that's really in 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 the, in the name of self protection, right? That so that I wouldn't get hurt again. I'm going to distance myself. I'm going to let this drift off. I'm not going to keep risking my heart again and again. But that is a life that fear has dictated your decision, right? So, yeah, we choose to be cowards even if we don't intend to be. We become hermits and pretend that we enjoy being alone. Or maybe we actually become so disordered that we love our isolation because we're afraid of being hurt by people in the outside world. We're afraid of what they could do to us. We're afraid that by opening ourselves up, they might be able to hurt us. But we know that God created us to be in community, right? From the very beginning, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. So if you think it is good for you to be alone, ask yourself, do I know better than God? Leave behind cowardice and take courage instead. So I've got a new set of questions, okay? I'm not going to have you get up and move. This time, just, just think in your head, all right? Now, not all of us are in relationships. Not all of us have been in relationships before. But I think it's, uh, it's important to, to have a vision for yourself of what, who am I going to be if I entered into this kind of season of life, right? It's one of uh, my pastors says, if you're learning how to be a parent when you have a kid, it's too late, right? Yeah, it's too late. Like, you want to be preparing before you have the kid, not during. But it's always, a, it's, it's always you know, the best time to start was yesterday, but a good time to start is still today, right? Don't put it off. Anyways, but new questions. Say you're in a relationship, and you had a boundary of not being with your girlfriend past midnight. And it's 11.59. Your girlfriend is crying in your car because she doesn't want to leave you. Do you 
break your boundary, and call up your accountability partner afterwards to ex just explain the situation? Or do you tell your girlfriend that she needs to leave now, and you can talk another time? Oh, all right, all right. Question two, question two. Say you're in a relationship, and your girlfriend has a flat tire, but it's time for core. Do you go help her with her flat, and then go show up at core late? Yes. Or do you tell her to call some of her other friends to help her out? All right, all right. Last note, last note, man. These are a little... A little spicy, aren't they? All right, say, say you're early. And you both make plans to go on a double date with some friends. It's 15 minutes until the double date, and your girlfriend is having a bad day. She's stressed. She doesn't want to go on this double date anymore. Do you call your friends and ask to reschedule? Or do you tell your girlfriend to pull it together, and if she can't, if she can't, you'll just go on this double date by yourself? <laughs> All right, all right. Pull back together, man. Those are the little timer, huh? What's the right answer, Peter? Uh, in my experience, all right, in my experience, I've worked with a lot of Christian guys. <laughs> I've worked with a lot of Christian guys over my you know, 13 years on this campus. We're not, you know, as much as the world will say that, like, oh, guys are always pushing to break boundaries. I've not found that to be my experience in our community. We are so, you know, not rock the boat, go with the flow, don't bring up conflict if, it's, if we don't need to see what, you know, take the path of least resistance. We're so much like that, that that leads to the issues of breaking boundaries because the women generally, they've planned the whole roadmap out for the relationship. All right. They know when we're going to get married. They know every step along the way. They've got a timetable and they're not going to be shy in bringing it up. All right. And that's not bad. Planning is not bad. Having a timetable is not bad. But sometimes when the when when what they want or the timetable is not what the boundaries will allow. It's going to be tempting for you to give her what she wants. Boundaries are healthy for every relationship, not just romantic ones, but especially in romantic ones, the breaking of boundaries can result in devastating consequences. Boundaries are commitments and promises we make to each other and to others around us on what's appropriate for our relationship in this time period. And keeping them is a measure of our integrity. It's a character thing. So let's take this, uh, the, the first example. Now, the example here is a real example that I've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I have not always made the right decisions. So, first example, staying in the car, saying goodbye for too long, right? How much easier would it be to just stay quiet, let her get her feelings out? I mean, it's flattering that she wants to stay with me, right? And plus, what is time but a made-up construct anyway? <laughs> what secret is there to leaving by midnight? We are not Cinderella. This is not a fairy tale. My car is not turning into a pumpkin. <laughs> it's so much easier and so much less conflict if, you know, we just overstay our welcome by 15, 30 minutes. And I just, I'll just call my accountability partner. Just say, like, hey, nothing bad happened. She was just sad. I stuck around. It's not like we're having sex or anything. Like, I'm just trying to be, like, a comforter. I'm trying to... To, to sacrifice. But I'm really making this decision out of fear, out of an avoidance of conflict, right? I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to make her sad, more sad than she is, or worse, mad at me. Yeah. Right? And what's to keep us from breaking the next boundary since we've broken this one, right? My integrity has already been compromised. But you know, as long as no sex happens, it's fine, right? Well, that's not bad. What boundaries, boundaries are not just so no sex happens, all right? Like, boundaries are so, for so much more healthy things than that. It's about the, uh, you know, it's, it's like a tree growing, all right? We, we put up certain parameters for that tree so that it will grow while it's weak. And so one day it will be strong and hold itself up on its own. That's what we want a relationship to be. Right. But if you don't put up those, you know, well, I don't even I'm not an arborist. I don't know those metal stake things, the things that you tie trees to and your tree starts growing sideways. Well, one day it might still be very big. I had a very, very big tree in, in my backyard. Yeah. And that was very, very leaning. All right. And we had that ice storm last year and oh, it broke. It, I mean, some of you live at that house. Some of you were there. Boom. Thankfully, no. did not destroy the house. No way! But I mean, it was huge. Like, it was one of the biggest streets I've ever seen. So that's what happens when there are no boundaries, where there's nothing to keep a relationship growing healthily. All right? And if, you know, so back to this car thing. If I break it now, like, all right, you're sad, I'm going to be here for you. Well, that communicates that whenever she's sad, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make her happy again. Whatever it is, the rules are gone when she's sad, right? My cowardice has created a relational dynamic for the rest of our lives, right? Not because I'm selfish, necessarily, is what you would think. But really, it's out of fear that I'm making that decision. And so, instead... I have to make the hard decision to say, hey, I need you to get out of my car right now. I'm sorry. It's raining. We can talk about this later. It's raining. It's like cold outside. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not saying like we're in the middle of nowhere. I think we're at her house. Like, I'm dropping her off. It's not like, hey, it's almost midnight. Tuck and roll. Like. Yeah. 
I'm dropping her off. Record habits. We've been saying we've been saying goodbye for the past 30 minutes. It's time. It's time. All right. But it's because I want my girlfriend and maybe one day my wife to grow and mature and have the fruit of self-control. Right. That she can handle those emotions by herself if she needs to. But too often in those instances, like myself, I am weak. We as men are not willing to make the hard calls and live by conviction. We are cowards, right? Now, do not hear me say that women are the ones who cause us to sin. That is not true. There are many ways that we sin. There are many ways that we sin of our own accord. And there are many ways that we cause our women to stumble and sin as well. This is simply one way that I see our sin of cowardice playing out in the context of relationships, right? We would rather not upset our girlfriends. And so we choose our girlfriends over our relationship with our friends, our relationship with God, because honestly, our friends are probably going to give us less crap about it, right? Yeah. But that's a decision out of fear. I'm afraid of having a tough conversation that will leave this person who's close to me mad at me or disappointed in me or reconsidering her relationship with me. And so I choose the coward's way out and do what she wants me to do. So don't mistake fear of conflict with peacemaking, all right? You might think that you're a peacemaker, but not rocking the boat. But just because you don't enter into conflict does not mean you're a peacemaker, all right? Peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the presence of harmony, redeemed relationship. I know that if you picked the right girl, right, that even those conflicts will lead to deeper relationship, right? One more thing that you should not hear me say <laughs> yeah. Do not hear me say men take charge of your relationship and lead like a tyrant. Right? That is not what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not saying that only you know what God wants and she needs to follow you. No. <laughs> Do not hear me say that. All right. The whole role of a husband and wife is another can of worms that maybe one day we can talk about, but I'm not talking about today. <laughs> Do not hear me say that women are the problem. No. Our cowardice is the problem. Maybe if we were actually more like women, spoke up about what we needed, and thought and actually engaged in a conversation about what is good for the relationship, then that might actually lead to good things. You ever thought of that? But when one person backs down out of fear of conflict, then the relationship can go down the wrong path. So leave behind cowardice and take courage instead. All right. I'm going to give you the answers to those questions real quick, because you may be wondering. All right, so Carl, we've talked about that. Core, I think all of these, I've given you a false dichotomy of one or the other. But there are a lot of creative solutions out there that you can make, right? But are you making these decisions out of fear or out of love? So if she's got a flat tire and it's time for core, Right? It's, the question is not, oh, am I going to miss core or not? It's like, what if I can make core and I'm going to call up my friend, right? And he's going to, he or she is going to be able to come and help you out. But I'm going to 
you know, you're, you're fine, right? It's not like you're in any immediate danger. This is, it may feel like a crisis, but a flat tire is not a crisis generally. Um, and so why can't I just call up a friend so that I can go to court and someone fixes the flat? Wow. Everyone's happy, <laughs> right? Except the friend. Hopefully. I mean, the friend might even, I, I know if it was me, I would jump at that opportunity to be able to help my friend, to be able to help his girlfriend, right? Like, I would love that. The double date. Real situations, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there is, like, there may be times, like, for real crises that you need to reschedule. But if someone's just having a bad day, I'm like, am I gonna keep my commitments to my friends? Or is this going to be a pattern over time that whenever my girlfriend slash wife has a bad day, we cancel our plans. We can't see anybody else. As if our friends aren't also a necessary part of cheering us up and supporting us, right? I did not make the right call that day. And the advice I got was, hey, if you can't pull it together, I'm gonna go and keep our commitment to our friends and we're gonna have fun, we're gonna get closer and you can join us when you feel ready. All right, it seems harsh. You would not expect that. But I think sometimes we get our, our priorities and values um, mixed up, right? So sometimes our cowardice makes us lazy. It's easier to chicken out and not have to think of a creative solution. But again, leave behind cowardice and take courage instead. Consider the wisest man in the Old Testament. Who was the wisest man? Solomon. Solomon. King Solomon. King Solomon was a coward himself. Right? First Kings 11, starting in verse 1. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They are from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. In love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. Now, this is the wisest man. And it's not, I mean, yes, there's fault to go around, but it also says, like, no, like, Solomon has to take responsibility for his own actions, right? Solomon did evil in God's eyes. So instead, I say to you, leave behind cowardice and take courage instead. All right, last handful of questions. I'm sorry, guys. Which part? I'm scared Last set of questions. This is, this is rapid fire. Have you walked into class and sat down where you've always sat down? Yes. Why not sit somewhere new? Have you have you passed by someone you met during Welcome Week but ghosted you, and you chose not to say anything? Has one of your friends gone through a hard time 
and you don't say anything or ask questions about it because you don't know what to say or ask. Well, that's a question. So yeah, cowardice takes a lot of forms. So much of our lives are dictated by fear and we don't even realize it. We've gotten so comfortable with making these decisions out of fear. But instead, live lives of freedom from fear, right? Leave behind cowardice and take courage instead. Because there are people who need the good news, right? And your friends need to hear the good news again when they're going through hard times. So why not say, hey man, I know we've had class together all semester, but I actually haven't gotten to know your name yet. I'm Peter. Peter. So what's so scary about that? Yeah. Or ask, hey man, I haven't seen you since Welcome Week. I never heard back from you after inviting you to all the after inviting you to all those events. What's going on? What's going on, brother? I mean, I think it's I think it's expected that they respond with a yes or no. That's good. Or, or, hey man, I'm so sorry for what's happened. I don't know what to say, and I don't know what to do. But I'm here for you if you need anything. And it's totally inadequate. But I just wanted to say that my heart breaks for you. These are things that we avoid because we're afraid. Because we are cowards. But can we become courageous enough to say those things? Not by ourselves. I know I'm a, I'm a very fearful man. Um, what enables us to leave behind cowardice and take courage? It's God and God alone, right? From the very beginning, he has been the God who is with us. Every time someone has said, I can't do this, I'm too afraid. What has God responded with? Right? In Exodus, he calls Moses to go to Egypt, to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. God doesn't answer Moses' question. He doesn't tell Moses who Moses is. He answers this question by telling him, I will be with you. So who are you that you can leave cowardice behind and take courage? God is with you. When the Israelites, after wandering the desert for 40 years because of their cowardice, they come back to the promised land, right? The one that they wouldn't take before. And so God sent them back into the desert. But for 40 years, the giants aren't gone, right? The Canaanites are still there. Wickedness and evil is still in the land. And how are they supposed to leave behind cowardice and take courage? God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. What seemed insurmountable to the disciples, to go and make disciples of the entire world, Right? When, per when Jesus himself said, persecutions will happen to you, it's going to be tough. What does Jesus say? Matthew 3, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the very end 
of the age. From beginning to end, God has responded to our fear, not by saying, you're great, you're amazing, go for it. No, when we say, I'm afraid, God says, but I'm with you, and I'm always with you. When Jesus was carrying his cross to be crucified, his best friend was confronted by the people, saying, I know you. You were with this guy. You were with this criminal. Aren't you one of his friends, one of his disciples? Peter was afraid. And he chose the coward way out by saying, no, I don't know him. But at the end of his life, when the Emperor Nero wanted to kill Peter, he was not a coward. He chose to be crucified upside down. Oh. Because he knew who was with him, right? He knew that God had promised him, surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. So I pray that when we're faced with conflict with our friends, tensions in our closest relationships, romantic or otherwise, potential awkward situations with our peers, that we would leave behind our cowardice and take courage instead because our God is with us. Amen? Amen. Amen.